This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest and very special transfer edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Sam Carroll, today. Uh, excellent week for Adam Jones and Phil Kirkbride, your usual lad, to have a bit of time off. Um, so we've been kind of muddling along. And today I'm joined by Dave Prentice and Paul Wheelock as well. A, a big appearance for you, Paul. Um, couldn't room there, I or, or do you have Griezmann and Messi posters up in, in your bedroom? <laughs> I can't confirm it's definitely my seven-year-old son Thomas's bedroom, which doubles up in my whole office as well. If I, I won't move the computer in case I lose it, but uh, on the other side of the Everton bedroom, there's underneath it as well. So I'll be trying to Everton in this favourite place. You're, you're lucky enough that the kids are back in school, but you're still plodding along with the uh, with the kids at home, Preno, yeah? Afraid so, yeah. I'm not getting shot of them for a long, long time yet. 125, <laughs> 123, still showing no signs of going anywhere. So, yeah, that won't be happening anytime soon. <laughs> well, um, yesterday was uh, a big day for Evan. We had Alan arriving for his medical. A few hours later, we agreed a fee uh, with Watford for Abdullah Decore. And last night, people were kind of picturing James Rodriguez, a, a very swanky looking. London restaurant, and it, it does feel like Hamez is is very much on his way to Finch Farm. Another another man to reunite with uh, with Carlo Ancelotti. But Preno, we'll start with the man who, at the time of recording, so you know, obviously by the time this goes out, things might have changed again. But yeah. at the time of recording, you know, from what we know, you know, he, he's done at least part of his medical. Seems like we, we are just putting the finishing touches to to Alan, twenty nine Brazilian international. He's played in the Champions League. He's won trophies with Napoli, but more importantly, he knows what Carlo Ancelotti wants from a midfield system, Preno. And I don't know how much you've seen of him, but it's got to be an exciting signing, hasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was uh, I was at the, the Anfield game where he played uh, for Napoli, and I'd be telling lies, you know, if I said that yes, he stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, but you know, he certainly had a very, very effective game, and obviously, we've like done an awful lot of research, you know, so since Everson were more strongly linked with him, and. Uh, he just looks like exactly the kind of player Everton need. Now, whereas Yamez is, in inverted commas, the sexy signing, you know, the guy with the, the 15 million Twitter followers, the guy with the, you know, World Cup top scorers, uh, you know, sort of trophy on his mantelpiece. And, you know, the guy with the, the, the flair, if you like, the guy that we're all excited about. I think Alan could be the most important uh, because he's exactly what we need. The midfield, as we said many, many times on this pod, isn't really fit for purpose at the moment. Every now and then they produce, you know, something significant and then go missing, you know, for two or three games in a row. We need consistency. We need yeah. a guy that will get around the pitch and will break up, you know, so opposition moves in the way that Garner Gay did so effectively. And we need somebody that will be a leader on the pitch. And uh, to me, Alan fits or ticks all of those boxes. Uh, it might not be the sexiest signing of the three that, you know, so are hopefully going to be announced sometime soon. But for me, I think he could be the most effective. And uh, he's the guy that we really need badly. And uh, of the three, he's probably the guy that I'm most, you know, so pleased about, fingers crossed, being signed in the very, very near future. And Wheeler, we, we've kind of, you know, we're at, a, we're at an age now where a lot of talk, and especially, you know, considering Everton's finances over the last couple of years, you know, a lot of fans do like to talk about resale value and, you know, what a player can bring. And 
and ages. Alan is 29, but he's very much a signing for the here and now, isn't he? Is And do you think really, you know, Carlo was asked a lot about the midfield last season and, and you know, didn't really criticise them too much. He'd always said he wanted to, to add a bit of energy to that midfield. But it's quite clear, isn't it, that he wanted someone who he trusts, who he knows, and as Keno was saying, ticks all the boxes for what he wants in his midfield. Yeah, most definitely. It's you, we going forward, we do have to follow the model that Brands has, has kind of set out to this club in terms of bringing young players like Richarlison and Dean in, who hopefully go on for great things at Everton. But if the worst happens, they move on and we make a lot of money out of them, like we did with someone like Lukaku. But I think, as everyone knows, listening to this podcast, the, the midfielders, they rightly said, is not fit for purpose. And, and you rightly said as well, Sammy did give him a chance. He didn't make a move for anyone in January. And the performances, by and large, were not good enough, particularly post-lockdown and particularly in those last four or five games of the season. Southampton, Wolves, Bournemouth. It was quite clear we need something here and now. And we were, we were saying, me and Perno, before we started recording, like, yeah, he's obviously got quality. Alan, you can see that from his, his CV and his track record, but hopefully he'll bring that leadership as well because we're in desperate need of, of leaders in that team. And the fact that he's done it for a big club in Napoli and certainly in recent years, one of the top clubs in Europe, gives me a lot of hope early. So, yeah, I do think long-term we have to kind of stick to that policy. But, you know, we've got ground to make up here. You know, we've all wanted to get into that top six. You look at clubs like Leicester and Wolves and even last season, Sheffield United, we finished 12th last season. So, let alone get into that top six or seven where we need and deserve to be. We've got to, there's a few teams ahead of us we've got to get past as well. So I think the way we're going about it this summer is the right thing. We need that kind of quality, leadership, experience, and, and he certainly ticks all those boxes. I think I think it's significance as well in the you know Alan and Yamaj Rodriguez are two players that Carlo Ancelotti has worked very closely with. He trusts them. He knows what they're going to bring uh, to the table. He's given the number of players in that squad plenty of opportunities already. You know, in the uh, five six months, wherever it is, you know, so since he took over as Everton manager, they've had their chance, and a number of them haven't delivered or haven't delivered consistently enough. Uh, so he's gone to two players that he has worked with. Uh, he knows that will deliver consistently. And he trusts them. So, you know, if, if he's, you know, so worked hand in hand with these players and he's seen what they've got to deliver and he trusts them, so should we. So I think that's quite significant. And, and to stick with you for a moment, what do you think, you know, anyone who has Twitter or reads our uh, transfer blog each day, there's a lot of Lagazers and, and Calcio Martos who, you know, start this Alan Chase for quoting fees of 30, 40 million. Looks like we've kind of made a breakthrough for around 20, 22 million. Um, good business by Marcel Brands. You think Marcel Brands deserves a little bit of credit for, for this? And obviously, if we negotiate a deal for Decore around 20 million as well, is that are they finances that you kind of accept? 100%. They both sound like quite prudent deals, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Um, in the past, you know, we have spent huge sums of money on you know, so players that we hoped would be massive, massively significant to the football club, and thinking of. You know, so obviously Gilfie Sigurdsson is the one that always springs to mind, and Yannick Balassi. Um, these are altogether more sensible deals in this. You know, 20 million is not an insignificant sum of money, but you know, they're also players that have got hopefully, you know, so three, two, maybe three, you know, years of effectiveness, you know, so remaining, uh, you know, before we even need to think about the possibility of, you know, so resale and moving them on. 
they're not eye-watering transfer fees. Uh, the fees that, you know, you think about, yeah, okay, that's probably, you know, so quite sensible. Given the financial, you know, climate in which we're working at the moment, um, you know, you've got to do that. Uh, you can't be doing what, well, other football clubs appear to be like, you know, so Chelsea, and, uh, you know, so maybe Manchester City in the future. But, you know, so clearly we're not in the same financial situation as them. So we have to be altogether more sensible. The other shout across the park are showing that, you know, so they're keeping their powder very much dry at the moment and using the financial climate uh, as a reason for that as well so yeah i think uh you know sort of massive ticks and marcel brands you know sort of cb for that i think he's uh he's driven a hard bargain uh he's got two sensible deals lined up and especially when you fact he's considered it's watford that we're having to negotiate with as far as abdullah decore uh, is concerned and you know so a club that's never been shy of trying to shaft us in the past for obvious reasons and will certainly not do us any favors whatsoever in the transfer market so yeah he's had to be you know so quite uh quite shrewd and quite quite slick in his negotiating on both those players and paul when it was kind of you know ronald Koeman and steve walsh in charge and it, it fell apart a little bit you know a lot of fans had the kind of discussion didn't he was he a walsh and was he a Koeman sign and was he a bit of both do you think you know alan and hammers the answer is pretty obvious we went for decore last summer you know we wanted to join everton it just felt like a deal couldn't quite be agreed under marco silver but it does definitely feel doesn't it like carlo is having a big pull and a big say in these deals. Do you think that's the that's the right move after what you witnessed at the at the back end of last season with some you know pretty horrendous performances? I just don't think you bring Carlo Ancelotti to your football club and not give him a major say in, in yeah. transfers, which all managers should, but particularly someone like Ancelotti. And from the outside, it appears that you know Brands and Ancelotti are working pretty well. The, the fact it sounded like we were interested in Hoiberg from Southampton, and that didn't come off because he went to Tottenham. But if our recruitment departments have, have looked at the Corley over a longer period of time, I'm sure they've taken it to taken into Ancelotti, and Ancelotti's had the, the final say or had a huge say in it. Because why wouldn't he? He's, a, he's our manager, and not only that, he's a world class manager as well. So, yeah, the only difference, the, the big difference to me compared to that summer we're talking about is it, it didn't look like there was a strategy that summer. How many number tens did we buy? You know, we never bought an out and out centre forward to replace Lukaku. Because no thing about this is sometimes. I think all sports have been like this at some point. You go the game and sometimes you think, God, is the manager seeing what we're seeing here? You know, when regards to subs or signings, what's really heartened me about like these free signings or potential signings is the fact that Ancelotti's clearly seen what the rest of us see and said, we need quality leadership in midfield. And we probably need a bit of magic as well because there were certain games, if we couldn't get like Dominic Calvert-Lewin into the game or Richarlison was off the ball, Sigurdsson wasn't providing that unless it was from a set piece and I think Rodriguez will do that to me it, it seems like they're singing from the same hymn she's from the outside at the moment hopefully that's the case but to, to answer your question no problem at all with what's happening I'm almost impressed by you know the end of the season when Carlo was asked about the midfield he was always pretty coy and pretty you know positive about it as we were talking about before we kind of came on I know Hammers can play in a couple of different midfield positions, but even, you know, if you just count Alan and Decore, then, you know, you've still got Delft, Davies, Gomez, Sigurdsson, Jabaman to come back. Um, you know, th there's a lot of lads in that midfield, isn't it? Does that kind of prove to you that, you know, deep, as Wheelow saying, deep down, Ancelotti was kind of going home from these Wolves matches and Bournemouth matches and thinking, bloody hell, something has to, has to change here. It's, it's quite clear, isn't it, that in the money we're investing and we're backing in them, that he has quite clearly said this needs to this needs to change and fast. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's it's a mindset as much as a quality thing as well. You saw it as recently as the Blackpool friendly. You yeah. know, where, you know, okay, it's only a friendly match, but it doesn't matter. You know, you're three weeks away or two weeks away from the start of a new Premier League season. I mean, players should be running through, jumping through hoops to impress the manager, and the Nos and his body language on that touchline showed how disgruntled he was so he's gone he's done something to address that you know so he's brought uh, fresh talents in and apart from the actual impact that will have on the pitch on match days it's what it does on the training pitch um, on a daily basis whereas players are turning up for work and they're seeing new faces who basically have run well are quite likely uh, to replace them uh, you know, in the starting lineup, you've got to produce a little bit more than you've got to be a little bit harder. You know, so you've got to give absolutely 100% in every training session. Uh, I'm not suggesting that, you know, so not every player hasn't been doing that. Well, you know, there have been rumblings in, in, in the not too distant past about, uh, you know, so some players' uh, demeanor, you know, so during training sessions. Uh, we're going back, of course, to a player who's no longer at the club anymore, or two players who are no longer at the club anymore. Um, Morgan Schneider and Kevin Morales. Um, but, you know, clearly, you know, Conor actually wants to shake things up and wants to change things. And so he's gone ahead and done that. That then obviously leads itself onto the fact that we are top heavy now. There are far too many midfielders at the club. Um, so it looks like some of them are going to have to be moving on. And we've spoken before on this pod, Guilfrey Sigurdsson appears to be the most vulnerable, uh, you know, so to any, you know, so likely shake up. And saddens me a little bit because I like him in terms of the quality, you know, so that he brings. But equally, he doesn't fit into the uh, the system of the formation that, you know, Ancelotti wants to go forward with. So I can understand why he would be considered expendable. But one player's probably not enough. There are probably other players that may need to move on as well if the players that he's bringing in, and you'd imagine they would, are going to feature more, you know, regularly. And it's also... What's he going to do, you know, so with a system now? Because we're already yeah. playing, you know, sort of football manager and trying to guess and second guess who's That's going to play true. and where. And the one player that doesn't, you know, if you're going to play to Curry and Allen in a starting lineup, where does Andre Gomez fit in? And, uh, you know, see, he has absolute quality and I like him so much. And I, I sort of <clears> guess that Ancelotti does as well. Um, so, you know, it's going to be really intriguing to see, you know, so who he uses and how and where everybody fits into this jigsaw. It also, we, before we do move on to, you know, Hammers and to Corey Paul, but it's not just sentiments at risk, is it? Because as Preno was saying there, I saw a quite uh, a quite sexy team being posted by a fan last night, and it was kind of Gomez, Decore Allen in the middle, James, Richarlison on the flanks of a three front three, and, and Calvert Lewin up front. But then that even begs the question: Alex Awobi, Theo Walcott, you know, are these lads safe as well? You know, it, it there's there's a lot of people who might be looking at these transfers and thinking, you know, my place in this squad has, has dramatically changed today. I hope, as Bruno said at the moment, it has the desired effect and they come back with all guns blazing and, and with a point to prove because, let's face it, probably 75% of that squad, certainly in those last 9 to 10 games, should be coming back with a, a point to prove. And that's why it was so disheartening seeing what happened in Blackpool in those first 10 minutes. But to give them their credit, if you can in that situation, they did they, they come back to force a draw. But, yeah, you're completely right. You've you've got Gabamin to come back as well. He's, from what it sounds, listening to this podcast and reading what we do at the Echo, he's very... Highly rated, obviously, but he's had rotten luck with injury. So there's four centre midfielders, and then you've got Tom Davis as well. He's obviously still a prospect. His, his form has slipped. There's no question about that. But you wonder whether the club would want to move on one of their own, particularly when they gave him a new contract. So yeah, you could well be right. Maybe we'd be looking at a, a formation change because Carlo was kind of stuck to what Duncan did when he came in and, and kind of changed things. I've been around and played four in, in the middle, but yeah, if we've now actually gone from like. Polar opposites, haven't we? From maybe not having much quality in the centre of the field 
to maybe having three or four really good options there. So, yeah, maybe you walk out to the world, or maybe even Bernard. I know Phil did a, a column on Bernard recently. I, yeah, like a couple of the centre midfielders, they, they might be a bit uneasy at the moment. And Preno, is, is someone we know more about than obviously Alan. Um, you know, as Phil Kirkbride wrote a couple of weeks ago, you know, Everton have been interested for, you know, a, a decent amount of time, you know, spanning back to last season. And as you pointed out, Watford are kind of famously tough negotiators. But late last night, or sorry, early in the evening last night, even, you know, a, a fee in the region of, of 20 million was agreed with Watford. We, we've seen him and he's, he's kind of impressed the overall in the Premier League. Do you think we're kind of getting that Adrissa Garnagay replacement a year later? You know, obviously it was the player we hoped Gene Philippe Jabaman could become and, and obviously, you know, just such unfortunate luck. But do you think finally with this signing we're, we're getting a Premier League made ready replacement for Garner that maybe we should have fought harder to get last summer? I'm not so sure he's a like-for-like replacement. I think Alan, is, sorry, Alan, as you just so cleverly pronounced it, <laughs> is, uh, is probably you know so the, the closer uh, to, in style of play um, to Gay. To me, Decore just adds a little bit more presence and a little bit more stature in that midfield area. Um, he's obviously a defensively-minded midfielder who can break things up. But his first season at Watford, he had a very good goals record as well. Uh, that's tailed off a little bit over the last uh, season or two. Uh, but he is capable of doing that. So I suppose it all depends on uh, you know, so where Ancelotti decides to use him in his midfield three or four, or as he, he, you know, whichever system he decides to go with. This, this season is going to be so intriguing to see how they line up against Tottenham. Because I know we've had a pre-season friendly at Blackpool. The one this weekend... Uh, basically, it doesn't really count, I don't think, because so many players are away on international duty anyway. You know, we've got three goalkeepers that are away on international duty, so you know, a youngster's likely to, to keep goal in that game. So we're not going to be able to read too much between the lines in that one. So it's almost going to be like a real surprise that opening afternoon at Tottenham when we see the starting lineup and we see you know so the players who are in there and we see the system. Hopefully it'll take Tottenham by surprise. It'll probably take us by surprise. So there's, there's so much to look forward to now. From having been fairly disappointed and frustrated only two or three weeks ago. There's a little bit of a sense of, you know, sort of excitement beginning to build again now. And it's amazing what two or three signings will do, but it does that. It just has you looking for it. I was just saying to Paul before we started this pod, they pull you back in again, don't they? They disappoint you. They leave you flat on the floor and then they lure you back in again. And you're beginning, you're beginning to get that feeling again you're really looking forward to the early opening day now at Tottenham and all right it's an empty you know sort of Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that's disappointing but it's on telly we'll be able to see it so you know you're starting to get excited again about the possibility of watching Everson play again and uh, these signings have done that the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo and as Preno points out Paul if you're Tottenham you do go don't you from a couple of weeks ago thinking you know, it's Everton, you know, we were we were pitiful the last time out, and that was only a few months back. Now they're gonna be looking this time next week we could have the three lads confirmed and in training. If you're Jose Mourinho and Harry Kane and them, you're not really gonna to want to be coming up against the midfield of Alain Decore and James Rodriguez on the opening day, are you? No, it just puts us back on the map a little bit, doesn't it, with the kind of the wider game, you know, particularly the Rodriguez signing because there is a danger. We've clearly got an ambitious owner now. We've got an ambitious manager. And we've got an ambitious fan base. We, as fans, more than anyone, know how big this club should be and, and is. You know, but 
the fact that we finished with 12 last season and we've had quite a few fair mid-table finishes over the years recently, certainly under Mishiri and like we've had some big signings, but these three particularly, the, the you know, Rodriguez may be coming with a bit of a point to prove, but everyone knows he's undoubtedly quality. And Alan Decore, you know, you even see like, say, Liverpool fans, I know Jan Moldy over the years, is, 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 when he's done columns, has spoke about how highly rated Decore is, and I know Ian Doyle, our, one of our Liverpool writers, was saying how big a deal it was getting Decore in for such a price last night. It's, 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 I think that some of these signings are capturing the imagination, and hopefully that, that, that transmits to the wider footballing world kind of thing, you know, that Everton are ambitious and they want to be much much bigger club than 12th in the table. So, yeah, hopefully we'll come to a surprise on that day at Tottenham. But, yeah, we certainly we need to play better than we did towards than we did there at the back end of last season. But now it's just, as Breno said, it's really exciting, which is, is crazy because a week ago I was pretty despondent. From what you've seen of the, from what you've seen of the Corey, Paul, are you a, are you a Decore fan? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think it was the game 2-2 at home and uh, Dean rescued a point, didn't he? With the last kick of the game, and I remember just me and my dad watching the game with it, the, the, that night. And I was just amazed by the the power of Watford's midfield. They were just so like big and muscular and strong, and they, they basically overrun us then. And uh, every time we seem to have come up against the core, he's impressed. He's he's box to box. I was looking at some of his goals last night. He scored a crack against Brighton towards the back end of last season. I I think yeah, I, I'm with Dave. Hopefully, Alan's the more guy character because we've missed him like dreadfully in the same way that we probably miss Lukaku. You know, he's, he's been that big a miss. Uh, but again, we still we're still been lacking a, a goal scorer from midfield, haven't we? Someone who can maybe even get like six or seven. And looking at the core of his stats, I don't think that's that's beyond him. And moving on to the final part of our, of our three-part transfer special, Preno, we come to you know the. I don't think there's any doubt that James Rodriguez is a is a genuine football superstar. I mean, it's a man who, you know, six years ago was top scorer at a World Cup. He's got, you know, 60 million followers, I think, across his social media channels. Real Madrid have, have spent 60 million pounds on him. He's won La Liga's, Champions League's, Bundesliga's. Uh, an absolutely massive sign. And he's, he's, he's 29, but how exciting a deal is it for Everton? And when was the last time they had a player kind of of his prestige? In, in the ranks? It's been a long time. I mean, you could argue maybe Samuel Eto, you know, so was, was that stature, that level of player, but he was significantly older at the time, I think, when he signed. Yeah. Um, it's often been the case in the past when, when Rooney returned to the football club, you know, he was certainly, you know, not the player he had been in his absolute prime at Manchester United. And Paul Gascoigne and David Ginola, you know, were shells and faded shells of the players that they had been. Um, so, Yamez. Okay, you know, so his peak year was clearly 2014, you know, so when he commanded such a huge transfer fee to go to Real Madrid, having been top scorer in a World Cup. And he's done okay for a few seasons at Real Madrid. Last couple of seasons, he's not featured as regularly. But 29 is not, you know, so a faded shell of a player as, you know, so Gascoigne and Ginola both were when they came. So that's why there is a reason to be altogether more excited about this one. And, you know, Aware of the fact that only a week or so ago on the podcast, I introduced a few caveats about Rodriguez, the uh, the number of games he played last season for Real Madrid. He only played in Copa del Rey games, basically. I think he only scored one goal during the course of the season. Um, but he's 29 and still has you know a lot to offer. And that quality doesn't disappear anywhere. And his record season by season 
he scores goals, uh, you know, sort of from midfield. And that's what we've lacked, as we mentioned in a couple of minutes ago. Um, we're not quite sure where he's going to play, possibly off the right. And, and if he does, you know, so he's capable of doing that, cutting him and scoring goals. And so that's something that we don't have. But he also, as Paul mentioned earlier, he just brings Everton into the consciousness of the footballing public at large. He's a, he's a, he's a superstar and people all over the world will be interested in him and where he's going. And it's like, Everton Football Club, you know, so why is he signing for them? They see that Ancelotti's in charge. And it just creates a little bit of a buzz about Everton Football Club and makes the possibility of other players uh, coming to the club in the future uh, more likely. Uh, it's an important signing uh, in terms of the quality that, you know, he brings onto the pitch. And equally, in terms of what he does for Everton, you know, I hate to use the phrase as a brand, but, you know, so the interest he will generate around the world in Everton Football Club. Um, of the three players... Uh, the other two are possibly more important in terms of what they bring on the pitch. But Yamas is the more exciting of the three. You know, he's the guy that, you know, so will raise eyebrows around the world. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a great signing. And, you know, so all three bring something a little bit different. And uh, I'm excited about all three, to be perfectly honest. And to, to stick with you for a moment, is, is the exciting thing about Hammers as well that, you know, for, for where Everton currently are, you know, we, we can't offer European football or anything like that. There's rumours, you know, unconfirmed, obviously, that he might even be taking a pay cut to, to come and join. It definitely seems, doesn't it, in both the case of Alan and Rodriguez, they want to come for Ancelotti and they want to be here to play for Everton. And, and I feel like that is is massively important. 100%. You, you can't underestimate the, the status and the standing that Ancelotti has in football. Um, you look at you know the other players he's worked with. You look at some of the previous players you've you know spoken about him. You know he's got huge respect. You know, I remember when he came to Everton Football Club. You know, so people at the time, uh, you know, so pundits who should know better. Uh, you know, asking why they want to go there. He's never going to come to Everton Football Club. Well, they were wrong. He did. And uh, there are plenty of players out there that rate him so highly. They want to work with him. Uh, you know, clearly that's entirely why Yamas Rodriguez, you know, is coming here. Um, you know, he's not at the stage of his career yet where he's looking for one last payday, where he's looking to, and if he's taking a pay cut, clearly that isn't the case at all. He's coming because he believes in the manager and he knows what the manager can do for his game. Uh, he will play him regularly. He will hopefully bring the best football out of him and we'll see the kind and the level of performances that we saw three, four years ago from him. Uh, there's obviously a great relationship at play there. But yeah, it's absolutely 100% the reason why he's coming to Everton is because he's got Carlo Ancelotti's, he, he, you know, he, he, he rates Carlo Ancelotti, you know, so he respects him. Alan, to a lesser degree, you know, so English football, you know, so obviously means an awful lot to him, but equally he wants to work for Carlo Ancelotti. We can't underestimate, you know, so how significant uh, a managerial appointment that was. We've had a lot over the last few years and uh, we were very, very excited uh, about Ancelotti's appointments. And this underlines again why we were right to be excited. And Hammers is the, the right age, isn't Paul, to, he's going to go straight into this team and really he's, he's going to be a, he's going to be a focal point. He's going to be a main man. Uh, but that's exactly what we need, I think, at the moment, isn't it? And, you know, it says a lot that Carlo Ancelotti, this will be his, his hat-trick of, of San and Hammers. He's clearly a big fan. And, you know, you do think back to that 2014 World Cup where he was the top scorer. He's quite consistently scored goals throughout his career. And I can't really remember the last time, you know, maybe Gilfie Sigton obviously had that kind of good season under Marco Silva. But we haven't quite had that midfield who you just know is going to bring that little injection of goals. And if he, if he can do that, then... He is really whatever they've been crying out for from whatever position Carlo kind of seems fit to use him. Massively, mate. Yeah, you look and you look at his numbers in his season 
uh, under Ancelotti at Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, and they're really, really encouraging. You can focus on the negatives uh, in terms of recent years, in terms of the lack lack of games and goals he scored. But let's face it, he's not the he's not the only person currently at, at Real Madrid who's getting frozen out by Zidane. I was watching an interview on Sky Sports before with Gareth Bale, and you could you could tell he was in a similar boat to Rodriguez. He was he was very coy with his words because of, of course he wouldn't. I can say I want to leave because I'm saying, saying well, let's throw him in there. Yeah. You'd take him on the, the left or the right, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Richardson up top. But no, you know, there's clearly very good footballers in there uh, who, for whatever reason, Zidane or the powers that be in Real Madrid want to freeze them out. So when I said earlier that Rodriguez has got a point to prove, I didn't mean in respect of his ability because, let's face it, top scorer at the World Cup, played for Bayern, uh, Real Madrid, Monaco, Porto, we didn't need to prove a point to anyone. But surely he will be coming here just to, to remind everyone just like what a superstar he is. And as you rightly say, uh, Sam, he, he, I imagine uh, Everton are going to build a team around him. And I think I totally agree with with Dave, what you say about Decore and Allen, they're the more important signings because we need to overhaul that midfield. But if we've got two midfielders who can get about the park and win the ball back, I'm pretty sure they're, one of their main jobs will be to get uh, half the ball. And yeah, we, we only have to look at the highlights package here. And he's got a, a dream of a left foot, hasn't he? You know, he can score, he can assist. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. And just to finish there, there was a little bit of, you know, with injury, but. Andre Gomez, I don't think, hit the heights last season that we'd expected. And, OK, look, what a horrible injury. And, and he's done so well to come back from that. But, Preno, you know, a, a lad who's played for Valencia, played for Barcelona, played in the Champions League. If Carlo does find a way to fit them all in, do you think we could also now be seeing the best of, of Andre Gomez now playing alongside, you know, and, and no disrespect to the lads who are at Evan at the moment, but Gomez, Allen, Decore. Rodriguez, Richarlison, Cavalloon, he's finally got the players around him who could really make a player like him tick and bring the best out of him, couldn't he? I'm hoping so, because uh, when he first arrived, we were so excited about uh, the quality he was bringing to that midfield, but the balance was wrong. You know, so he produced fitful performances because he wasn't really given, you know, so a platform on which to express those skills. He was asked to do elements of the game which possibly weren't natural to him. Uh, if he fits into the same midfield as two players who, I don't want to use the word water carriers because they're not water carriers, they're more than that, but they do, they, they will give him you know, so a bit of a platform on which he can do what he does best, which is play forward passes into dangerous areas, which can open up defences, uh, which can you know create more. Um, he didn't do that often enough. You know, we saw flashes of it at times last season, but not enough. When he first arrived at the football club, you know, so we saw that a lot more. So again, it's the knock-on effect, you know, so not just what these two players bring on the pitch, it's what they bring on the training pitch and what they can then do, you know, so to the players who are already at the, uh, the football club and hopefully we'll see, you know, a better quality on Jomas next season. It just looks like a better balanced unit. We don't know how that balance is going to work yet because we don't know, you know, as you said earlier, what lineup Carlo Ancelotti is going to select, you know, so how he's going to fit those players in. But it just feels like we could see uh, a much better Andre Gomez next season. And that excites me. You know, so how many times have we used the word excitement, um, you know, so during this podcast, which underlines, you know, so how the Evertonian mood set uh, has changed so much just over the last uh, few days. It's, 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 it's really good, you know, so it's a good week to be an Everton supporter at the moment. And Paul, I'll, I'll finish with you. I think quite interesting. Uh, your son, Thomas, has kind of grown up with a bit of a, 
you know, I had the David Moyes era. Preno had the, you know, when we formed in 1878 era to go for seen those glory days for Everton of the of the 80s. I had some boss times going to Goodison with my dad and, and the Moyes teams, although we didn't win anything. But you know, you've been taking in the game for some pretty miserable matches, some pretty miserable seasons for, for someone his age. How exciting is it when he's kind of seeing us about to sign players like Alan and Rodriguez? And, and, and do you think that's a, a big thing now that signing these lads, you know, that this next generation of supporters could be witnessing the most exciting kind of mo- modern part of Everton's history? Yeah, it's the Hammers one in particular. It's like he was talking about signing Hammers Rodriguez before we signed him, so we should definitely get a finder's fee if he's uh, he's been speaking to the Everton recruitment department. He absolutely loves him because he's part of that generation of you know youngsters like FIFA playing generation, and he's a superstar as as Preno rightly said earlier. He's he's an actual superstar, and it's it is tough being well. He's seven, coming up to his eighth birthday, and like plays football and understandably at this moment in time there's a, a lot of focus on our neighbours across the park because they've just had this wonderful couple of seasons with them it just gives Evertonians of all ages that boost that you know that remember yeah has it has it worked out for Mishiri no it hasn't particularly over these last four or five years but clearly his ambition is still very much intact and just signing people like Rodriguez it allows you if, as a youngster when they're going back to school now seven eight to put your put your chest out almost kind of thing, you know, and like you might be getting about because they're not seeing each other for a while and about like what Liverpool have won, what Everton haven't done. But, you know, to be able to go out there and say, listen, we're signing a player who's got to go to the World Cup, who's currently on Real Madrid's box, playing for Bayern Munich. It's a big thing. And I, I think, yeah, Preno is at it completely right. It's like a statement. And isn't it? I think people who go to the game know that Alan and Decore were absolutely essential. We needed two in there. And this feels like a bit of a an expensive cherry on the top almost kind of thing. I just, it's, it's the one, it just really just fires the imagination of what he, he could do with the club. It's, yeah, it's, it's massive who you can get him. And the only disappointment is that to be able to get into the new lot at the start of the season. That, that is immensely frustrating. You know how excited I am? We've been talking about Yamas, we've been talking about Decore and Alan, and literally two minutes ago, the official James Bond account has just tweeted me to tell me the wait is nearly over. Watch the new trailer for No Time to Die. So, three top class signings and James Bond tweeting me. Life doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> the only downside is, yeah, we can't actually physically see these players. And the, we can get to see James Bond in the pictures in November, but we can't actually physically get into Goodison to watch these players. I mean, again, I was talking to Paul before we came on air. Uh, you know, so some football league clubs are talking about uh, a 40% admission rate maybe by uh, October, November. I think Blackburn are hoping to do that. Um, it's going to be difficult, we know that, because, I mean, our uh, season tickets, you know, fan base alone is at 30,000 plus. And so how do you make that decision? How do you decide to, you know, sort of separate seats and arguably split families apart. It's going to be a real headache uh, for the powers that be to decide how they're going to do that. The sooner it happens, the better. That's the only downside that, yes, we're excited about these potential signings. I say potential because they're not quite done yet. But, you know, so we can't physically see them, you know, so in the flesh just yet. But the first two games are on television, so we can see them. Uh, so, you know, let's just enjoy it by proxy, you know, so if we like for the time being and just hope that they have the impact that, you know, so we believe that they can have. Well, lads, thank you very much for joining me. Hopefully, uh, next time we're talking, we've got three lads all confirmed as Everton players, and we've got the uh, we've got the picture with Contract Dave 
in the uh, <laughs> in the bar, what we're all what we're all currently waiting for. But very exciting times. Hopefully you enjoyed listening, and we will be back in the next couple of days with more on Alan Hammers, Abdullah Decore, and at the moment, who knows what else could spring up in the in this Everton summer. We've also got a game on Saturday, uh, Everton at home at Goodison against Preston. Our man Adam Jones will be inside the stadium as well. So tune into the Liverpool Echo website. We'll have live updates of that all day. And if you're lucky, we might even get to meet one of the new signs for the first time. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Dave and to Paul. Uh, Phil and Adam will be back next week. But thanks for tuning in. See you all soon. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.